Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Social media has been a fantastic avenue for us to breathe life into who we are as people, not just as a company. And I think that us being able to showcase personalities within the walls, the actual people that put the blood, sweat and tears into it, almost for the distributor, provide some emotional investment into wanting to see our relationship grow. It's not just a tangible thing now. It's an actual emotional investment. So it's not transactional. Gold Bond Inc. is a top 40 supplier, multiple-time PPAI supplier star winner, multiple ASI Distributor Choice Award winner, and is a 70-year-old company that has evolved and reinvented itself under the creative leadership of Mark and Brittany Godsey. Mark is the president of Gold Bond, who started out as a teenager working in virtually every department within Gold Bond's walls. He began by mowing the lawn out front, eventually working every piece of equipment in production, and now captains his roster of over 300 employees in his growing $40-plus million business. Brittany became one of Gold Bond's highest producing reps in company history, and after proving herself in the trenches, is now the vice president of sales for Gold Bond. A social media fanatic, snowboard junkie, and a constant soldier in waging the war against sales mediocrity, Brittany has developed a passion for advancing the promotional channel through speaking and elevating the need for promo with purpose. Hi friends, my name is Bobby Leehue. I'm the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew. And Mark Graham, CommonSkew's Chief Platform Officer, and I were on a four-state, five-city tour that took us to Nashville, New Orleans, Atlanta, Dallas, and through Chattanooga, where we landed in Hickson, Tennessee, at the headquarters of Gold Bond, Inc., where we retreated to a tour of their factory and sat down to talk with Mark and Brittany about how they have managed to reinvent a 70-year-old brand. We talked about what they learned from their experience acquiring worldwide, how they refresh their brand with inspirational new ideas, the impact of their vibrant social media presence, and what technology has done to transform their 70-year-old business, and along with it, the evolution of their client base. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. To learn more or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. And now our conversation with Mark and Brittany Godsey. I'd just like to start out by saying we just finished a tour of the factory floor. I don't know if you guys know that I, as a distributor for 25 years, leading a company for 15 of those, I never really put a lot of value myself, which is foolish. This is very foolish of me in the factory tours and all that, you know, just busy taking care of clients, you know, you get this really bad, particularly pre-recession, this really bad idea. Suppliers are the same. Suppliers often think distributors are the same. And then then you go and spend time with folks and you understand, number one, the sweat and blood and tears that have been spent over this business, the capital, the equity investment. And then you just see the manual processes are typically what blows everybody everybody's mind. And then what I'm taken aback by is the capabilities. If you knew the expansive breadth of your capabilities, what more you could do from a from an imaginative campaign standpoint as a distributor and all that. Too many words to say, blown away by what you guys have built here. It's an impressive, impressive operation. Yeah, we appreciate it. Mark has built a more than solid foundation and put layers and layers of imagination into this vision that he has. And it's been very fun the last few years to see the way he's molded this company into something completely different from what it started because we've adapted so much to the 
marketplace. Like you said, distributors are not the same and needs are not the same. Everything um, just continues to evolve in a more distinct cycle from the pre the prior. Right. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years what that looks like. But for right now, we're having one hell of a time and a lot of fun. <laughs> can, Mark, can you tell us who Goldbond used to be, who you used to be in the marketplace? And then we'll get into this process of reinvention that you've obviously been through for some time now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're a 70 plus year old company. 1947 is when it, when it all began right here at these grounds. And it, we were known for writing instruments, started with pencils, then got into, into pens. And then uh, later on down the road, it w- went into um, drinkware. And a lot of the um, industry, a lot of our customers think of us for golf. And we really made a, a big conscious effort to step outside of the the old school of, of a writing instruments company from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And in the 90s, golf was really starting to take off. And we were fortunate enough to partner up with all of the, the big manufacturers and, and put our name out there as, as one of the golf uh, suppliers for this industry. As golf continued to do well, it's like, you know, what's the next thing? You know, what's the, what's the next thing that you, you stay in front of people? Full-color uh, sublimation had been out there for a while, and, and Worldwide Line was, was a company that um, had been around even longer than us, and they had been doing uh, sublimation for a long time. They have been putting out exquisite pieces for so many years, and what Worldwide didn't have that we had was, was a sales team and a big marketing effort. You know, uh, Kim Newell was running the company outstanding, but she, she didn't have the, the marketing reach and the, the sales reach that we had. So we looked at that partnership uh, acquisition. What would be our next step is to, it was something we didn't have in this company. You know, we had done one and two and maybe three color imprints for a for, uh, number of years, but uh, society is 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 developing logos now on their own desktops four or five six colors you know they want something that stands out and worldwide have been able to do that for many years so it was a it was just a great way to segment into the next type of imprinting for us to to partner with worldwide how long ago was that transition with worldwide so we purchased worldwide in 2014 that's correct okay since we're on that Mm -hmm. track that's the biggest acquisition you've had in years. That is, yes. And you shared a little bit of this on the factory floor, mm-hmm. but that was a fairly difficult transition. It was. Um, you know, I, I spoke about the the opportunity was out there. Um, what we didn't realize is that okay, you've got a company that's in another part of the state. They had the same culture. You know, they cared about the customer. They they had won numerous amount of awards and and um, above and beyond the customer. But the logistic part of being here in Chattanooga and them being in Memphis, different ERP systems, different ways to enter the orders, just different different ways that our customer service, our art team had no idea how to do sublimation. Sublimation is completely different than just inkjet, pad printing, screen printing. It's, it is a very complex thing that takes a lot of skill, a lot of time, and a lot of color correcting. And we, uh, we honestly fell on our face. Um, it, it, it hurt. It was, a, it was a painful acquisition. It took about a year, a year and a half to really pull out of that. But now we're solid. You know, it's, it's a very efficient process now. We've got the right people in place. We have the right customer service team in place. And, you know, I encouraged my sales team at the national sales meeting in November. I was like, okay, guys, I know it's been something you guys 
don't want to push because you've been scared of, scared of it, you know, weren't really confident if the order would go through correctly and get the right colors, we've got it down pat now. So let's, let's go back after it. Now that you're on the other side of that, are acquisitions still something high in your future? And then uh, if so, and I'm thinking of the young supplier out there that's trying to learn listening to you. I mean, you've got a 70-year history. You've turned this company around into something that's an impressive expansion of product line. What did you learn through that? And are acquisitions in the future? And if so, what did you learn through that process that you would you definitely take into mind as you, as you did? Sure, sure. Acquisitions uh, definitely are still in, in the future for us. Now, what does that one look like? Not sure yet. You know, we our, our uh, product line it covers covers a lot of different different areas right now. So what is that next acquisition? What does that look like? I don't know. It's got to be something that fits what our customers see Gold Bond for. Um, we don't want to step too far out of the realm where they're like, they don't even think of us for, you know, a certain type of widget or a certain type of product. But the biggest lesson that I would say that I learned from, from Worldwide, the acquisition, is that we didn't spend enough time over there really understanding what all it took to take take from soup to nuts their, their product. Our team didn't spend enough time over there understanding how complex sublimation is to do it right. There are people out there doing sublimation, but they're not hitting the colors like Worldwide does and like we do now. It is a whole different ball game, and that was on us. We, did, we, we saw something that was running good, and we thought, oh, we'll just stamp our name on it, and it'll have the Gold Bond name, and, you know, Gold Bond and Worldwide, it'll just, and it'll just go. It, it didn't work that way. So our team has to, if the, when the next acquisition comes into play, spend more time from, from soup to nuts on, on how their products are made, how they're produced, how they're printed, and what their customers' expectations are. Because that's, that's who got hurt in our acquisition with Worldwide was, was the customer. Uh, we did not perform at the level that we should have. And can't, we can't let that happen again. How do you stay on top of trends? The reason I ask this question is it's clear that you bet the company to some extent on golf in the 90s to evolve from the writing instruments background you had. And then uh, more recently with the acquisition of Worldwide Line, you bet the company on sublimation and getting into this new form of decoration. Um, clearly, that required some ability to stay on top of trends or to anticipate that trend so you could invest ahead of ahead of the growth. Tell me about the process that you use to make sure you're staying on top of trends. Ooh, yeah, I think that's a thought-provoking question in itself and one that it's like a, you know, a rabbit constantly trying to chase. But I think that the R&D that goes into it, Amy, our product development gal, is just exquisite. I mean, she's got a retail background, but she has a super keen eye and goes very, very in-depth and involved on um, Pinterest, going to different things like houseware shows, um, walking through Target and going, all right, let's do some research analysis. Let's look at the airport. You know, we're developing bags. When you sit in the airport and you actually take a chance to look at what the majority share and what demographics that looks like, what people are interested in, that helps shape her mindset for what she feels is relevant. And then she kind of comes back to her little lair and goes, okay, how can I modify and improve it, right? And it's it's very complicated to do just because there's so much pressure, to be honest, and what's the next thing and what's the next hottest thing? And we are tasked with 
developing what the industry trends will look like, which is very hard to do. And it's extremely hard to do when we're all trying to jump on the same thing at the same time, because unfortunately, overseas, you, you have so much bandwidth, right? So you have almost a limitation too, in terms of how much you can push the barrier before you start going so far off the tangent that the item's not even relevant now. And did Amy's role exist before Amy filled it? Uh, not really. I would say it's more of a, a melting pot of collaborative effort is the way that I would put it. Y- you know, you would have a very heavy weight lied on our sales force and them coming back and saying, this is what my customers are saying they want. And this is what I'm constantly up against. And how do we come back and find a way to combat those needs in a way that is um, in tune with gold bonds dynamics of how we do things? That's that was very challenging because, you know, if, there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I want an OGO bag. Why can't you get me an OGO bag? It's like, I, I can, but I can also create a custom bag for you. And, and we bring in something that's a little bit more cut to sew and things like that. So, yeah, her her role has been instrumental in shaping the way that we're viewed in the industry for our product development, just because she has really broken the mold in terms of the type of products that Goldbaum brings in moving forward. Well, I think that's an interesting point about having your sales force, relying on your sales force for feedback from customers. And and I think there's no question that's important. But I think that organizations, or at least in our experience, organizations that rely exclusively on their sales force for trend information is that it's quite reactive. My my customer needs this. Can you produce it so that I can make my sales quota, right? And and I think that's only half the puzzle. But I think investing in someone like Amy's role, you now have someone who is uh, forecasting and is thinking ahead, thinking more proactively as opposed to thinking reactively, which is kind of how salespeople are wired. When their yes. customer wants something, they go and get it. And that certainly happens on the distributor side too. Mm-hmm. And so good for you for – making that investment because clearly it's it's starting to pay some dividends. And there's definitely some stutter step processes involved. Um, and, you know, I think we're all guilty of that probably on the supplier side. I can't speak for others, but you, we get so excited and enveloped in bringing on a certain type of product that we think is going to be perfect for our customer base. And there is still more R&D that needs to happen in terms of what it takes to process that type of item in this building. So a mug, for instance, can be the next latest and greatest thing, but if we don't bring it in and product test it right to make sure that we can run it efficiently to hit the expectation of the customer, because we are unfortunately in an Amazon (laughs) society, they want everything quick turn on a dime. And if we can't produce it at that rate, then we might as well not bring the item in. That's a good segue to another question I want to ask about the state of the customer today versus the state of the customer, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago. We know that today's customer is that much more impatient. Amazon has trained them to (laughs) uh, expect things that may be a little bit out of the ordinary. So beyond that, I'm curious as to how you've seen the customer evolve over the last 10 years. Yeah, I think technology has really put a strong emphasis on the adaptation of the client and their needs, if you will. There are so many more things that are necessary to 
create that wow factor than there were before. So not just doing things like um, full color sublimation, but bringing in completely new decoration methods or completely new ways of doing things and doing it in a state that is completely frictionless. So where they are completely hands off, they give it to us, we take it, we run with it, and they don't want to hear from us until we automate the tracking number associated, right? So I think that um, the evolution of the client base is starting to get a little bit gray. And fortunately for Goldbond, that's where our creative muscle starts to flex. We are so much better and so much more dynamic when we can work alongside or parallel with a distributor as opposed to, um, you know, perpendicular, if you will, just because we're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole instead of letting us do some thought-provoking collaboration. Uh, I think that that's where our solution selling really comes into play. And I think that's where we thrive the most. So things like fulfillment, why just fulfillment, right? You know, why not bring in new items that are curated for this type of person or tailored to the type of recipient that gets that item? I think that that's where when we start walking down that path, that's when we really get past where we used to be a pencil company and we're known for golf. We're now we're very sticky. That's how we like to call it. Mm hmm. When we were on the factory floor, you hinted at bringing in a lot more fashion forward trends into the business. And I say this ironically, that we're still looking at millions, I'm assuming, of wood nickels that you still print every year, which we'll talk about in a minute. Trends, I would, I would assume then the customer has also become more sophisticated in their trends and, and the demands. That's what we are feeling on the distributor side. I know in the past several years, I think we've seen that increase. And I think you're feeling that pressure too from your sourcing. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And I think that's why we have made the educated decision to try to push things in a broader bandwidth. So not necessarily reinventing an item because that's very hard to do, but curating a collection of pieces that can be sold across um, a couple of different dynamics. So Mark mentioned sublimation and how we have, you know, uh, evolved in that decoration process. And you, Mark, you got to attempt the OG way of taping that thing together on that decal onto that mug and Bobby went new school. <laughs> Which turned out exquisite, by the way. <laughs> I'd put you up any day against any one of our printers, <laughs> for sure. But, um, you know, us being able to sell a collection across the board and paint the picture for the mind of the experience, not just in the way that um, the product is decorated, but in the way that it's received. So, for instance, we are in the midst of building a couple of things like a man crate collection, a cozy collection, a pampered kit for females, and an I'm a winer kit where it's just a wine series collection. So painting that picture of how it could be used um, almost in a retail fashion, even though they might be some of the, the same items that you've seen from Goldbomb before, has actually really positioned us in the market with our client base in a much different light than I think that they've noticed us for. Yeah, that's cool. Context. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems, speaking of, you mentioned the word reinvention, it also seems like lately, um, and this is probably a perception issue, so I'm sure this may this may be slightly irritating, that you have been evolving the brand for some time, but suddenly Brittany comes on the scene over the past two or three years, and it seems like this reinvention. It's almost as if the efforts of AJ's over here behind the camera, so I want to give a complete shout out to AJ, who's been, who, who is part of the magic of this is that really you've just become more vocal about the reinvention that's been going on behind the scenes. Right. What have you learned through this? What strategy, uh, and this has obviously been a part of your strategy, 
what lessons have you learned about this as you've been trying to reinvent a 70-year-old company, invigorate life back into the brand? Because it's not just a marketing issue. We're out there looking at new equipment, new processes. You just talked about the packaging and the context that's going on. What have you learned about the process of reinvention? And then a two-part question, how has that also encouraged you as a principal of the organization? How has that kept you in the game, kept you excited about the business? Has it? And in what way? Okay, great, great questions, and uh, yeah, definitely loaded questions. Uh, well, the the social scene really has started to blow blow up, probably you know in the past you know three four years, and I know this is going to sound sound odd, but you know Mark Kaminsky was really the one who started getting me to think, because when we when we signed up with Kaminsky. Um, he started saying, you know, you know, who, who's doing your social media and what, what things are you doing here? He started asking me these questions that I didn't have answers for. And I start uh, getting on Common Skew and seeing what other people are doing. And I start, you know, uh, getting on, on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, I'm seeing all this activity and I'm like, and we weren't behind. And, and I think we got in it still at a good time, but it was like, this is the next way to show our brand. And now's the time to, if we're going to show our brand, to change, to change how we look. Well, that's that's all fine and dandy, and I could go out there and say, hey, I'm I'm you know Mark Gotzi with Goldbond, and you know we're not the seven year old pencil company anymore. We do all this. That's not going to be enough. So, we made a conscious decision as a staff, you know, with 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 Mark's you know kind of vision and insight that I needed to hire a social media director. And, and Brittany was on board and, and, and she was going to be a part of, of being, she and I, mainly her, because she's a lot prettier, was going to be the face, face of this company. And with, with AJ's help and, and, and you guys at, at Common Skew and, and Brittany, we've, we've been able to reestablish that, you know, we do have cool products. We do have cool processes now. We do have retail looking items that people are, are looking for. I mean, you talked about trends. That's where we look at. We look at what's what's retail doing, because retail people want a retail item, and then they want can you put can you put a logo on it? So, for us to um, to continue to to be on the forefront, our next step was you know to be in social media. We've done paper catalogs for years, and you know maybe we can do another podcast with some others to see how we can get rid of catalogs in our industry, because <laughs> that sure would save, save some trees and save some frustration. But you know I think we'll eventually get there. But you know w- we do catalogs, and we used to do a lot of mailings. We used to you know to keep ourselves in front of the customer. But how much quicker and how much more effective and how much more colorful when when Brittany can get on there or our sales team can get on there or AJ can put something together that shows instantly how you can sell this product instantly show a case study of how our best sales rep went into the X distributor as a partnership and we sold this this package you know you can't do that with with an email you can't do that so it, it's just given us a whole nother avenue a whole nother channel to get to our customers and show them that there's better ways to sell the product there's you know Goldbond is a, is a different company we're, we're a different resource for for a number of different uh, imprinting processes and our and our products are changing and Social media is the best way to get it out there because I can say that, um, you know, we've got this new product and email it out. I mean, how many emails does a distributor get a day? And I think to complement that, our client base, like you mentioned prior, is changing. They want to have an emotional investment in the relationship. 
And I think that apart from the products and the decoration, they want to know about us as people. And they want to know that we are a good company that's going to stand behind them and be their advocate. Because unfortunately, sometimes things don't roll out the way we all envision. And, you know, that's when the magic really starts to happen of who's going to rise up to the occasion and make sure that we take care of their client. So I think that Social media has been a fantastic avenue for us to breathe life into who we are as people, not just as a company. And I think that us being able to showcase personalities within the walls, the actual people that put the blood, sweat and tears into it, almost for the distributor provide some emotional investment into wanting to see our relationship grow. It's not just a tangible thing now. It's an actual emotional investment. So it's not transactional. And Mark, thank you for your kind comments about Common Skew. And it's cer- certainly the feeling is mutual. We've really enjoyed the the opportunity to work with you at Gold Bond. I'm curious, given the size of your company and how long you've been in business as to whether you had to overcome any tension or any maybe disagreement in terms of exploring this new marketing channel. So this this idea of investing in social, this idea of investing in a, a channel like Common Skew, because to some extent it's new. It's a little scary, particularly if you're a traditional supplier that's been used to printing the catalogs, doing the email flyers, fax marketing, maybe a, a, a sales force in the field. Some people view some of these new technology-based marketing platforms as a threat to the established order. How did you navigate that internally? Well, um, I'd like to say just a simple answer was, you know, I'm the president of the company. I said, this is what we're doing. (laughs) And, you know, that's the way it is. But um, again, you know, with great conversations with with you, Mark and and Catherine, you know, I just I just saw the writing on the wall uh, that the next the next step for this company to be visible and be visible in a completely different light is the social scene. I mean, it, it's, it's just, you know, completely blown up in the past few years. And my, my VP of marketing, and I sat down with him, James Canning, and I said, James, we really need to think about this, this attack in this social area. And so we put together a plan and we put together, you know, what we needed, a social media director and, you know, a marketing director and how we were going to attack this. And we had steps to do it. And we presented it to the staff and said, you know, this is, this is the way we want to go guys. And this is, this is what, you know, part of the future. Do all of y'all have kids or do you know people that have kids or do you know any millennials? How are they shopping? How are they looking for their content? They're not looking in a catalog. They're not looking at the flyers that we used to send out year after year. They're looking on Snapchat. They're looking on Instagram. They're looking on these in these platforms. If we're not a part of this, we're going to get left behind. And really, Mark, when we had that conversation, I mean, you and I could probably go back and look at those emails of that, that date, is when we started to really infuse this is the direction we're going to go. And um, our presence on social media has skyrocketed. Our, you know, um, AJ, I'm sure, can provide details of how much percentage-wise we've gone up. But um, it's, been a, it's been a real blessing. Now, this great trajectory and this great blessing that we have, we can't let it plateau. You know, that was one thing with, um, with Kirby that I talked to at SKUCon was that, you know, we've got this great rise right now. We got to continue to stay interesting. You got to con- continue to bring the value. You got to continue to be something that people want to open, something that they want to see. 
one last question on this as you were entering into this new initiative with social so what did you think going into this this was going to be like and now that you've been doing it for a few years what have you found to be some of the most effective tactics and strategies as you've worked through it well, um, AJ is definitely the mad hatter behind it. We're a little bit of a Bonnie and Clyde or De- Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know how you want to look at it. But we kind of jumped into the arena with both feet saying that no idea is stupid right out of the gate because we have no substance to go off of from prior reign. So at this point, anything is looking up, right? So I think for us, there was definitely a learning curve in the way that we presented our content. It wasn't necessarily that our content was bad in the initial phases, but the way that we rolled it out to the customer was probably not the most organic. It was a little bit more static and structured. And we've learned from, I guess, our experiences or our past posts that people want to see things in real time. They want to understand kind of the back end process of how the magic happens or they want to know exactly how you showed it to the client for them to be able to say, wow, that's really cool. You know, how do I go about getting some of that? Right. Um, So for us, it was also exposing them to life on the road. We did this fun little series where every time that I got to buddy up with an outside sales rep, I mean, then made them pick a product or if we were at a show, made them pick a product that they were passionate about, that they had a really cool case history that they could pull out of their Rolodex of Arsenal and walk me through it. And I think for us, it has been really fun to engage in the live chats for people. So like Facebook Live, Instagram Live, AJ and I have been um, kicking the football around about like, I would love to buddy up with you, Bobby, because you have such good content and us start a conversation over our two platforms so that people look at me shooting you a question, you giving an answer, shooting back a question and giving an answer. Like you said, there's just so many ideas out there of, of cool things that you can do. And there's just not enough time and not enough not enough bandwidth. More ideas than bandwidth. That's yeah. always the challenge with yeah, content, right? Absolutely. But yeah, there's just so many fun things that we've learned. We've definitely maybe pushed the envelope a little too much on on some things wherever you want to almost stay politically correct in some fashions, but at the same time, you're like, no, that's part of the pizzazz of the item, and that's part of the genuine authenticity of us showing you this is how it happens. Sometimes it's raw, it's dirty, and it's a little ugly and gruesome, but at the same time, the end result makes you appreciate it that much more. So social has been a really fun arena for us to play in. I hope that uh, we can continue the trajectory that we're on because it's been fantastic for us optically. As a company, when we go out, and I told Kirby, I'm sure you saw in the interview, I gave it up completely at, at Comscue in Vegas when we did this UConn. It was like that is when we noticed that, okay, what we're doing is actually relevant because AJ and I post things day in, day out. We post all these videos or curate all this content, and we're like, is it even relevant? Do people even – do people care, you know? And if they smash the like button or if they don't, they did take a gander at it and they might have noticed. And for us, that was an epiphany moment at SKUCon in Vegas whenever people were coming up and going, hey, go bong out, right? Yeah. Hey, I saw your video on this. A lot more silent channel. viewers than you knew. Right. Yeah. 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 And even though they might kind of ghost you on the likes and the comments, they're right. still taking notice on the content and um, the visibility yeah, of go bong. Yeah. And you guys do an awesome job at that. We want to we want to get on the common skew level. <laughs> so, Brittany, I have a question for you. Uh, so, you're a younger person in the industry, 
think that you you're 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 30 years old, right? Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. And you started, uh, I think you said about eight years ago. So you're 22 when you first got into the industry. I want you to talk a little bit about how one advocates for themselves as a younger employee, a millennial within our industry and not only advocates for themselves, but also is able to move up so quickly. And I think that what I'm aiming for with this question is that there's tremendous amount of opportunity for young, creative, talented people in our industry. And it's so exciting to see younger talent at the executive level in our industry. But there could be some younger people that are listening to this going, well, I'm a junior customer service rep. I'm 21. I just started. H how could I ever hope to become senior in my organization? How do I progress throughout the organization? So any, any tips you have for yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, there's always the cookie cutter answers of, you know, just be tenacious and go for the gold and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, that does not help you put brass tacks into play. I think for young professionals, it it is a little bit challenging in our industry. And I think that this has been a consistent barrier to entry for most young professionals trying to weave their way to a hierarchy, if you will, because from outside appearance, we haven't earned our stripes, right? There's a lot of industry veterans that are very seasoned and very calculated about the way that they do things because they have had years and years to perfect their craft and absolutely mad respect, right? And for, I think, the the new wave of people that are coming in, it's almost a disturbance or a disruption because they're trying to take all of those years of blood, sweat, and tears and condense them down and automate some of the process. Like, why would I... Why would I walk 20 feet uphill in the snow to deliver that package? I can just have Amazon pop it from a drone, right? <laughs> um, so I think that there is a, a fine balance between earning the right and earning the respect and feeling like it is your entitled dignity to move up, right? And I think that goes for anybody across any demographic. But for me more so, it was about finding avenues where maybe Goldbond had a couple of gaps and finding ways to create opportunities out of those gaps by providing solutions for the gaps. And I think that a lot of the, a lot of younger people out there, they have that mind frame. They just and they have the laser focus to find a solution. They might just not speak up about it because they're like, mm, these old guys over here, they're never going to get on board, right? And that's not the case. I think that I was very blessed in the sense that Gold Bond has a very open door policy for ideation. And for you to sprinkle out anything, no matter how small or big, um, dumb or irrelevant it may be, it makes a difference within this wall. And if it makes a difference to the customer, we're going to exhaust it all the way till the end to find out if it's a better experience for them. So for me, that was, that was the fun part. And I was fortunate enough to have enough close contact with the client and to develop relationships enough to have candid conversations and earn the right to ask some of the deeper rooted questions that maybe people don't want to call your baby ugly. But hey, Gopon, you know, if you could fix this freckle on your face, that would be most, <laughs> yes, most appreciated for all of us. Right. Um, and <clears throat> I think that that's where we kind of start started coming together as a group and saying, all right, let, let's. 
let's put some wheels on this baby and let's see what it's got. And you just provoking those ideas, no matter how small um, they might be, if they make a difference in terms of the way your customer perceives your company, then it's definitely worth exploring. And, and for the young professionals that are out there, if you're with a company that doesn't want to listen to your ideas and doesn't, you know, doesn't want to, you know, take, take your advice, go find one that does. Um, you know, when, when Brittany came on the scene, you know, she, she had a lot of great ideas, but the big thing about her is she had an internal motor that we couldn't, we couldn't turn off and you couldn't ignore it. And, you know, she came in as, as a salesperson and the biggest thing that, that Brittany does is she is memorable. Okay. And if you're memorable, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, if people remember you because you provided a deeper value than anything else, you're going to go places. And that's what she did. And that's why she continued to rise up in this company is because she made a stamp everywhere she went and she continues to make that stamp. So for, for the young people out there, be different, be memorable out there. And for, if someone's holding you back, go somewhere else because there's plenty of opportunities in other places that, uh, that can recognize your talents. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening.